1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place.
3: This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck.
4: What the heck?
3: Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for checking out the program. A lot going on. A lot of guests joining me this week. We're coming off of UFC 265 this past Saturday, which emanated from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. It was the coming out party officially for the new interim heavyweight champion, Cyril Ghosn. What a performance he had against Derek Lewis in the main event of that card. He has a future date with Destiny and his former teammate, Francis Ngannou. And I, for one, am very, very intrigued and excited to see how that fight plays out. I would love to see those two fight by the end of the year. It's a really interesting matchup. And I, I mean, I, I'm all in. I'm all in. I, it's it's amazing how recency bias this sport can be. Because Sean Alshadi was talking on our post fight show, which you can check out right now on the on the YouTube channel or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And he said he put out a poll, and eighty percent of people picked Cyril Ghan to beat France and Ghana right off the bat. Now, I don't know if. Cyril Gunn wins that fight. I don't know if Francis Gunn wins. Who knows? It's a fight. And that's a really interesting matchup. The styles make things really, really interesting. But, man, 80-20, that just seems a little crazy to me at this point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Cyril Gunn is an 80-20 guy when it comes to this fight. But I don't know. We'll see. It's it's a really good fight. Hopefully, it does happen at the end of the year. But we talked about everything UFC 265 on our post-fight show. AK and I did our matchmaking show recapping things. That dropped on Sunday. That is a podcast exclusive, so you can go listen to that. We did matchmaking for obviously gone. That was too easy. But Derek Lewis, Vicente Luque, Tisha Torres, Song Yidong, and others. So go check that out if you want our matchmaking thoughts. But um, we have a big lineup on the show this week. I'll run down the lineup in a matter of moments. But, of course, let's address something right off the bat. Because as you all know, and as you all rightfully should be very excited about, Things are changing a bit over here at MMAFighting.com beginning this Monday, August 16th. He's back. The return of Ariel Hawani. The return of the Mixed Martial Arts Hour here on MMA Fighting. Twice a week. I am getting very, very excited for that. But with that change comes other changes. One of which, as you probably saw on Twitter Monday afternoon from Jose Young's, the A-Side live chat. Will have its final episode this wednesday wherever you've consumed that tremendous show before uh that'll be a lot of fun i will be there sean elshadi will be there maybe some other special guests will join us as well so that's wednesday but also i am here to let you all know that this will be the final episode of what the heck at least like in this iteration and i have had a lot of fun doing this show for the last 71 episodes and I feel like in a in a way, we were here to to fill a gap, fill a space. And I feel like we have set the table quite nicely for the return of Ariel and the MMA hour for the last year and a half. But now he is back. He's doing his thing twice a week. Great interviews, doing the damn thing, and I am totally fine with that. And I'll still be doing interviews. There will be an interview an interview show from me coming soon. But it'll be different than what we've been doing here. Uh, A little more in-depth stuff. So I'm excited to to dive in and doing something a little bit different. Obviously, I'll still be doing on to the next one. Still be doing pre and post fight show stuff, all of that. I'll still be hosting BTL, which, by the way, a little breaking news, BTL is going to be moving to Tuesdays beginning next week. So it usually is on Thursdays. That is moving to Tuesdays. So in a five-day stretch from this Thursday To a week from today, you're going to get two episodes of BTL in a five-day stretch. So get excited for that. And in addition, we're going to have some news regarding some new programming on the site. A big announcement coming with what Thursdays will look like over here on MMAfighting.com. And while this show as it looks and feels now may be going away, a lot more stuff will be coming down the pipeline, coming your way. And it's exciting. It's very exciting stuff. So prepare yourselves, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. So real quick, thank you for coming along on the show's journey. We did some really good things for sure. I'm very proud of the show. We had a good mix of everything. We had big guests. We had commentators. We had fighters. We had champions. And what I'm probably the most proud of is we got to shine some light on a lot of fighters who were set to break out uh, some up and comers that got a little extra boost. I feel like, you know, we got on, you know, before Kevin Holland, one of that big run, he was on this show, not saying where he's like, we're the first podcast, Kevin Holland's ever been on, but I feel like we featured him before anybody else did uh, Brandon Moreno, another guy. I feel like we kind of saw the writing on the wall. Uh, and I just love interviewing Brandon anyways, but I mean, listen, I'm not, this is just what it is like i i feel like we got to give people some extra shine uh some up-and-comers too uh some prospects and that's the stuff that i'm really proud of like anyone can we, we can get champions and get the biggest stars and, and all that and i don't have that ability i don't have those relationships i don't have those contacts yet uh ariel does and i'm super excited that he does have those um but i i got you what i could i try to you know shine some light on the on the up-and-coming talent and that's what I wanted to do with the show to begin with. We got a nice eclectic mix of everything. So um, there you go. Thank you. I'll just leave it at that. But uh let's run down the lineup. We're gonna wrap wrap things up with the with, with damn good show. And we're gonna end tonight's show. And we're gonna end and we're gonna end this week's show with one half of the main event for Bellator 264 this Friday night. He will challenge Gegard Musasi for the middleweight title on Showtime. We'll speak to John Salter. Ahead of his first world title opportunity, Anthony Taylor will join us. He's fought for Bellator many times. He will be taking on Tommy Fury in the boxing ring on August 29th. That card, headlined, of course, by Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Anthony is also a training inspiring partner of Jake Paul. The guy has been through a lot over the last few years. I first interviewed Anthony Taylor in 2015, uh, the end of 2015 interviewed him a few times along the way, but things got a little dark for him, as you'll hear in the conversation, but he's come through it. He's in a great place right now, and he has a big opportunity on August 29th. Some big news from last week. Didn't expect to hear this news, but it's happening. Chad Mendez has signed with BKFC. How about that? A multi-fight deal. He's expected to Make his debut October 22nd against the dreaded TBD, the former UFC featherweight title challenger will join us to talk about how this all came together. He's still under contract with the UFC. That is not news. He said that on Joe Rogan's podcast, but uh, just the process of getting their blessing. Is he surprised that he got their blessing? So we'll talk about that in more. Another name that was in the news last week is Tim Johnson. We found out he won the... Fedor Emelianenko sweepstakes. He will face Fedor October 23rd at Bellator's event in Moscow, Russia. And this news did not make a lot of people happy. If you're watching right now, maybe you were one of those people who were not overly thrilled with this announcement. But uh, Tim is here to join us. He has seen what you've had to say. He's got some stuff thrown his way as well, which I don't really understand because he just said yes to a huge fight. We're going to give him the opportunity to come on And give his side of the booking in around 20 or so minutes. But first, we're going to talk to the challenger later on. Let us kick things off with the Bellator middleweight champion. The one, the only, Gegard Mousasi. All right, let us say hello to the Bellator middleweight champion of the world, Gegard Mousasi, defends his title for the first time in his new reign this Friday night in the main event of Bellator 264 against John Salter at Mohegan Sun Arena. Gegard, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How how are you enjoying this New England summer in in beautiful Connecticut right now?
5: Yeah, it's raining a little bit like uh, Holland, and uh, I'm in quarantine, so I'm in my room. Uh, but it's not bad. I'm with my whole team. It's uh, we we laugh, we joke, so it's not that bad.
3: Yeah, you gotta have that around you, getting ready for a title fight, right? To kind of distract yep. you from from the fighting and all that.
5: Uh, I really don't think about the fight. Uh, I just think about cutting weights, making the weights. That's the first uh, battle, and then uh, then it's the fight. Then I focus on the fight.
3: So this is the first fight for you in 10 months. You're coming off that hard-fought win over Douglas Lima. You've been a part of so many fight weeks that they probably all blend together at this point for you. But in terms of just getting back in the cage and fighting, how excited are you to just dust off the gloves and and get back in there?
5: Yeah, it's been a tough year for me. Uh, This is the only thing that's a little bit normal this year. So uh, doing what I always do, uh, fighting, so it's actually nice.
3: When you say it's a tough year, was it you know because of because uh, of COVID and all and all that stuff just kind of held you back
5: a little bit? No, personal issues, family, uh, friends, matter, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it at that. But yeah. w- were you hoping to fight a little bit sooner, especially
3: with everything going on? Like, I, I mean, you can only take the dates you're given from the promotion, but were you hoping to bounce
5: back a little bit quicker than this? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but. Uh... They couldn't give me any fight. They were, uh, they didn't have fights till April. Uh, I don't want to be on the sideline for eight months. And before that, I was also on the sideline for almost a year. So I'm fighting once a year now. That's that's just not to that's not a lot. So I hope to fight end of the year again after this one.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know when we spoke before the Lima fight, you wanted to kind of bounce back quickly, but that fight was was a fight a lot of people were excited about. Lima was trying to go up and get the second title. You went in there, and yeah, he had his moments down the stretch, but for the most part, you were able to shut him down. Was was the fight what you expected it to be? Because it seemed like you were a step ahead of him for the vast majority of it.
5: Well, you know, I think for the first time I took him down, I did uh, some good ground and pound. I think uh, after that, he didn't have the feeling of winning. And then uh, around two, three, four, five, he didn't step up. And then uh, around five, he was he was trying to step up and uh, get to do something. But then uh, I already had won the fight. So I just took him down. I didn't have to do anything more. Uh, if he would have brought the fight to me, then it would have been a real good fight. It's unfortunate. It just, uh, you know, it's, it, it wasn't the, the fight that I wanted. But uh, I got the win easily, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, I'm not satisfied with it.
3: Yeah, I mean, you fighters are your own worst critics, anyways. But I mean, it w- was. It, I mean, you, you take solace in getting the win and becoming the champion. But overall, you you weren't overly thrilled with how you performed.
5: No, definitely not. Uh, but uh, it always depends on the opponent. And uh, some, um, I think, with. Uh, John Salter he, he will have to bring the fight to me because he doesn't want to fight stand up so it will be a lot of wrestling it will uh, but I, I have to work with him I'm not going to be laying down on my back so it's it just uh, the mentality of a fight and the style you know so uh, I think this fight will make uh, definitely make sure um, someone's going to get finished
3: Lima said after the fight that he felt the yeah. biggest downfall was you know, obviously he got going or tried to get going a little too late in the game, but he said he showed you too much respect in the fight. Did, did you notice that at all? Did you feel that from
5: him? Well, I think, uh, after I took him down, I think he felt the strength difference. And, uh, and I, I, I did hurt him with punches. I think, uh, it, it didn't, maybe he's faced it in this change, but, uh, I think I earned the respect, uh, in the first round. And after that, I think, uh, uh he didn't want to really he was just happy fighting and not getting uh to a real war let's say
3: do you feel did, did you watch his follow up fight with with Amosov when he lost the title yeah. what, what did you think of that did you think he didn't maybe learn enough from fighting you and especially with the wrestling and everything cuz amassof's a monster and like once he gets a hold of you it's really hard to to stop his takedowns
5: yeah, I, I did see his fight. Uh, maybe also a weight cut coming because he was a big middleweight when I fought him. He wasn't a, he wasn't a Rory McDonald. So maybe the weight cut was also difficult for him and uh, and I think his opponent was a game opponent, you know. Sometimes you can always say, oh, it was because of the previous fight. You always will look for a reason, but I think his uh, opponent was uh, had a good game plan. Uh, didn't do anything, it just took him down, controlled him, but it's also credit to his opponent, I think. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. He will be back. I'm sure. When we
3: spoke before that fight, you seem to to have a pretty good feeling that John Salter was going to be waiting in the wings for your first title defense. And that's exactly what's happened here. And you were more than okay with that idea. I know you're not a guy who like thinks of revenge for him beating Costello van stinus but is there like at least a small part of you who wants to sort of get that one back for him? Like a, like a little piece just like in the back of your mind?
5: Uh, No, I really haven't thought about it like that. Uh, I just see as, uh, him being an opponent and uh, he's fighting for the belt. He's hungry. I see him uh, as a challenger. Nothing more, nothing more, you know. Uh, Costello wasn't hurt in that fight. I mean, uh, he, he just got taken down and controlled it wasn't like uh he hurt him and now i want the revenge or something
3: <laughs> so it's not, this isn't personal at all this is just no. I mean, it's the fight business
5: right yeah of course it's a fight um, he won so it's uh it wasn't a dirty fight anything like that
3: you you mentioned it because it, it seems pretty clear what Salter's path to victory is going to try to be. He's going to try to take you down and control you on the map. But at yeah. the same time, like you said, he's going to come after you in order to do that, which ultimately could be a very good thing for you. Like, do, do you see it the same way? Like, yeah, it's striker versus grappler, but in order for him to implement his game plan, he's going to have to come play with that Musashi fire, so to speak.
5: Well, yeah, I, I think also, especially if, uh, it it's all depends uh, how I want to fight, uh, I want to really get the finish this time because the last two fights were not finishes. I was just too tactical. So I want to come. I want to really fight him. And uh, he he will have to bring the fight to me. So I think that's that's going to provide a good fight. I'm sure
3: you've worked on your wrestling a little bit more for this camp. But 10 months between fights, you sort of had an idea where this was going to go. Did you put on a little bit of size? Like, did, did you have a little bit more of a of an intense strength program to, to add a little power in preparation for this
5: fight? Well, the strength is going to be uh, pre- uh, better than ever. But, uh, yeah, you, you will know. I think you will be surprised with the strength difference. But mm-hmm. I didn't do any of the weightlifting. Um, uh, I'm uh, a little bit heavier than the same weight cut. Everything is the same. Nothing different. Uh, I will make the weight... Uh, a little bit more difficult to lose the weight this uh, training camp, but um, I, I, I'm 100 percent ready. Uh, you know.
3: So, so if you weren't lifting weights, like what were you doing to sort of increase your strength? Eating bonbons <laughs> and uh, chocolate. <laughs> so you're you're eating that strength. You're eating that like spit like Popeye but, with yeah. the spinach.
5: I'm I'm heavier. Uh, also, I'm with age. You get a little bit more heavier. It's more difficult to lose weight than you're a little bit. i um, in the last two years, I got older and i didn't have many fights to be in shape constantly so maybe uh, got bigger by na- naturally you know there you go look at you see we're
3: we're a little bit older but we're still spry at our at our youthful yeah. older age right yes. come on we're we're, we're yeah. okay <laughs> I mean, look, look, you've been doing this for so long. You're not no. in the prediction game, so to speak, but you want to go out there and get a finish. But what, what kind of fight are you Are you at least expecting here? Like, how do you see this all playing out in your mind?
5: Well, I expect a very high-paced fight because um, the way I'm uh, at least I want to fight him is once, uh, if he takes me down, I work constantly to get up. So, and uh, in the stand-up he's not comfortable, so He will have to work for the takedowns constantly, and uh, that's going to drain his energy. So it's very easily the way we're going to fight him. We're going to fight high pace. So he gets tired, and he gets tired from the takedowns. A little bit like Chris Weidman, you know. Even if he takes me down uh, in the later rounds, the takedown won't be that explosive. It's going to be much easier to uh, defend the takedowns.
3: It's going to be a, it's going to be a really interesting fight. But I mean, yeah. you mentioned Chris Weidman and I know you talked about recently what, what happened in his last fight. You two certainly yeah. have not been the best of friends over the years, but uh, no,
5: I don't have anything against Weidman. I know I it's not like personal, argue, but, uh, yeah, yeah.
3: but you said, yeah. you said that uh, you, you thought he should retire after what happened, but it doesn't seem like it that, that should be on his to-do list. He has another surgery coming up. That was just a horrible, nasty injury. Why do you feel yeah. that, that, that he should retire?
5: Well, it's not up to, uh, people ask me my opinion. Uh, it's not like I go on uh, on media and say you should retire. But if they ask me, I, I say if it was me and if I had nine, 29 inch, uh, surgeries, I would say this is not uh, good, you know, and especially if you get knocked out like three, four times in a row and then uh, you break your leg in a bad way where it's going to take a year to cover. At this age... Uh he's a little bit older than me, I think. 37 maybe. And then he's gonna come back at 38, 39. It's difficult to come back. And then how long are you gonna continue? You're at 38, 39, you're over your peak. You know what I mean? It's not like you're gonna get better, especially coming losses, losses, losses. It's it's uh you know, that's my opinion. I wouldn't I wouldn't continue. If I had a serious injury like that, uh, I would right away stop it fighting. Okay,
3: so at this j- age. At yeah, this so,
5: age, I would
3: retire. All right. So just to clarify for, for everybody out there, because I'm sure people are going to be asking you about this all week. Gegard Bousasi yeah. is not saying Chris Weidman should retire. He's saying if it were yes, him, yes. he would yeah, retire.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. So let's get that out there. Don't be asking Gegard about this because. Did you see, did you see the injury though? Did you see him break yeah. his leg? What did you yeah, think of I it? Of,
5: yeah, it's, uh, it's not nice to see a fight like that. You you don't wish that on anybody. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the fighting, you know. You, you go in there. Uh, when I was younger, I would go in. I would never think about injuries and whatever because, you know, uh, everything was going well. But if you have many fights and you get injured and you have uh, uh, setbacks and whatever... And then when you when you have to fight that, you take those experiences and uh, into the fight. So um, it's a little bit more difficult, let's say. it's, a, And I think for him also, if he has an injury like that, it will always be a trauma. Even if he comes back, it will always be in his back and his mind. Oh, I can get injured. Something bad can happen to me. So that's why I'm saying at this age, it's more difficult. It's not, I don't say it cannot be done, but it's, you know, you
3: yeah. know. Fair enough. We, we'll move on a few few more questions. It seems, uh, yeah. at, at least in his team's eyes, because I talked to a few of them a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Austin Vanderford is next in line after beating Fabian Edwards. Like I, I know you're you're not looking past Friday, of course, but yeah. does that fight excite you? Trying to take that undefeated record, like another really good wrestler and ground guy, does that one excite you at this point?
5: He's a tough uh, tough opponent. Um, I had difficulty even to get John Salter because. Uh, Bellator wants to put me against big names, you know? Uh, I, I don't blame anybody. I, I just fight uh, the number one contenders. Whoever it is, I will I would fight him. Uh, but uh, as re- name recognition, um, Bellator is uh, hesitant with putting those fights. You know what I mean? Um, they would rather see me against Joe Romero, let's say, even if he's on a losing streak. Because he has a bigger name, so uh, as a promo- promotion, I understand that. So it's not up to me. Van, right. Z- Van Z- what's his name? <laughs> Austin Vanderford. <Awesome. laughs> yes, I think he's a phenomenal fighter. Is uh and it, if the Bellator gives it, I would love. To, I would love to get the fight.
3: Okay, so since we're in the business of clarifying things, yeah. I want I want you to clarify one other thing <laughs> for me because I watch, I did watch. A recent interview you did, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but yeah. I thought you said that the promotions plans were, and, and this is if everything falls into place yeah. perfectly. Yeah, you beat John, maybe beat Austin, get a couple defenses in. Is the plan to have you face the winner of the light heavyweight Grand Prix? Is, is did I hear that I'm, right?
5: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I will have to fight him eventually. So uh, whoever the winner is, that's the fight we're gonna do. All
3: right, going back to the fight schedule you've had recently, like one fight in 2020, one fight on the books for 2021. You know, you, you, like you said, you, 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 you want to be more active and with the world being what it is, obviously it's a little bit tougher these days. Does that affect your motivation at all? Like, I I know we've discussed like how much longer you want to do this, but does the lack of activity, does it sort of open that door to
5: turning the page? Does it open it a little bit wider for you? Well, you know, uh, I'm not getting younger. So, uh, and with injuries, I have to consider that I want to be stay busy, uh, when I'm healthy. Uh, one injury is going to set me back another six months, maybe sometimes a year, you know? So when my body is healthy, I want to fight uh, as regular as possible. But if I fight once a year, I'm aging and no fighting. So uh, eventually it's not like I can make 10 fights, uh, Let's say if if I fight once a year, eventually I will retire with four fights. After four fights, I'm retired because I'm uh 40 maybe. So, but if they give me eight nine fights, yeah, I will retire after uh, in the four years. Let's say with ten fights, it's it's not up to me. I I just uh, I just want to fight, and we're gonna push for uh, push for that.
3: Yeah, and if you go up to 205, you're probably gonna want to take some time to uh to get yeah, a little bigger. Yeah, that's
5: also a problem. Yeah, you know, then I have to build. Uh, Put muscle on. That's gonna take me another uh, six to eight months at least. It's not like uh, you know uh, you're gonna get twenty pounds of muscle in a couple months. The, so that's another thing, you know. The, but um, I can understand why, why they want me to go up to like weight because uh, you know. Also, the challenge would be nice. I would welcome it. Yeah, there's some big names up there. Like, is yeah, there
3: is, is there a certain fight up there that? Has kind of eluded you over the years that that you really want. Like I mean, Yo Romero seems to be a popular name; gets brought up all the time. There's there's Rumble. There's, well, there's, if, there's some bigger names.
5: Yo Romero, I can fight him in middleweight. Why would I want to give him the the advantage in, uh, at at uh, light heavyweight? Because he will have a, a lot of advantage at light heavyweight. Uh, I think um, uh, light heavyweight uh, Anthony Johnson would be most favorable as a big name. I, I would love to fight him.
3: What did you think of his last fight with uh, th-
5: th- yeah, th- they he, brought in
3: a, a, a substitution?
5: Yeah, I think he did well, uh, especially uh, being, uh, he's still the same guy. He, he knocked out. Uh, uh, Anthony Johnson's not the most, he's just powerful. He just knocked people out and that's what he did. Uh, uh, but he got proud himself. But, uh, you know, coming out of retirement, I think that was a, a good performance. He will get his rhythm back again.
3: There you go, but look at you—you're still in your prime. You got a title defense coming up on Friday, and the main event of Bellator 64. You're back on Showtime, Gay Guard. Some, uh, some nostalgia, yes. right? That's got to be pretty cool.
5: Yeah, yeah it, it's nice, uh, but you know, when I fight, I don't think it's Showtime or CBS or. <laughs> so for me, it doesn't make difference. I, you know, it's just just another fight. Did you think about that at all? Like back in the strike well, force do, days. I, I didn't even know it's on Showtime until this week. Uh, people uh, <laughs> mentioned you're on Showtime. I was like, okay, that's nice.
3: Oh, there you go. So that doesn't even yeah. like you, you're just fighting. It doesn't matter what network it's yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go, man. Well, well
5: Showtime is uh, better because of more people and uh, you know maybe opportunities for boxing or whatever. You, you know, it's always nice to be on a uh, big, uh, big network.
3: Would you want to do that?
5: Maybe get into the, uh, do a boxing fight here and there. Maybe you fight Jake Everyone- Paul. Who knows? Everyone is doing it, so if they <laughs> give it to me, why wouldn't I do it? Yeah, go fight Jake Paul.
3: Everybody else wants yeah, to fight Jake I, Paul. I
5: always wanted to do boxing, but they were just yeah. But Jake Paul has so many options. So if, yeah, if they invite me and say fight Jake Paul, uh, uh, why wouldn't I fight? It, you know, but I think there's a hundred people uh, in line to fight.
3: Would you, and you're not you, you? don't want to be one of those guys.
5: Yeah, I would. Uh, why not? One on one. Now we got one on one because. Uh, he brings a lot of uh, attention, and uh, he does promote it well. Uh, people don't like him, but I, I think he's a decent boxer, uh, and uh, he, he, he brings a lot of viewers. So it's entertainment. The, this fighting business is entertainment. This is not, it's not the Olympics, when where it's all first sports, and then at the Olympics, if you win gold, then you get thirty thousand. At least this is entertainment. You get paid much better. This is first entertainment, and then it's sports. So, um, yeah, Jake Paul is a good thing, I think, and they're doing well. See, I'm
3: glad you said that. I, I agree with yeah. you. We have to yeah. take this for what it is. Like this isn't yeah. like sport per se. I mean, they're boxing, yeah. but at the same time, it's a it's a circus. It's fun, just enjoy yeah. it for what it is. Yes, 100. Do you think Tyron? Do you think Tyron Willie could beat him?
5: No, to be honest, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, Tyron Woodley is uh, 40. has lost all his fights. They choose him because he's short guy. He, he's not a boxer. I don't know why people think he can he can box. Who, he just, who said Tyron Woodley is a boxer?
3: <laughs> he's just got power. Like he knocks people up, but he
5: has a white one right hand with a small glove.
3: <laughs> so you don't think it's gonna go I, well for him
5: hundred percent is not going to go well for him, but he's going to make money and ambition. wish him well. Uh, I don't, I don't have anything against <laughs> Tyler Whitley, but <laughs> let's be honest. This, uh, They didn't choose him because he's going to, Jake Paul chose him because he thinks he's beautiful.
3: There you go. The, yeah. the breakdown <laughs> from gagar Mousasi, but listen, man, thank you for the time as always. No I, I'm very excited to see you back in there on Friday. Appreciate it. All the, all the best to you in quarantine and in the fight on Friday night, my man.
5: Yeah, nothing against Iron Woodley. Don't, I know, uh, don't, don't <laughs> Yeah.
3: Don't be making headlines, people. Don't be making headlines. It's just a man's okay. prediction. That's all it is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
3: Always enjoy chatting with Gegard Mousasi. Always get something out of it. He's got that dry wit that's just hilarious. And uh, it should be a pretty interesting title fight on Friday night in Uncasville, Connecticut. Stylistically, man, it's it's interesting. And we'll hear from John Salter later on to get his take on on the fight and how he sees it all going down. But we're going to move ahead to our next guest. He'll be headlining a big Bellator card himself. This time in two months in Russia, whether you like it or not. Tim Johnson. All right, let us welcome in Tim Johnson. As you may have seen around a week or so ago, this man filled the spot that a lot of people in the heavyweight division were hoping to fill. He's scheduled to travel to Moscow, Russia to fight Fedor Emelianenko on October 23rd. Tim, first off, congratulations on getting the fight. How are you?
6: Uh, thanks, appreciate that. Uh doing pretty good. Um, you know, life, life is... I'll you know, getting a little more hectic by the day, I guess
3: <laughs> I bet it's uh it is great to have you here. a lot to discuss with you first off, we heard a lot of names in this conversation. You were preparing to fight for an interim heavyweight title against Fedor protege Valentin Baldovsky when this news started to to come that Fedor was coming back. How did this all happen? like what was sort of the timeline from that fight with Baldovsky for the interim title to landing this fight with Fedor in October?.
7: Uh, just-
6: I'm uh, ready to head to the right after the Molossi fight, uh, ready to head to the hospital get stitched up. <laughs> and, um, I called, the called the agent right away. I'm like, Hey, uh, throw my name in the hat for Fedor. You know, uh, I know there was a lot of names getting thrown around. I was like, well, I don't like sit. I'm not going to like sitting around. And so, yeah, just see what happens. Um, talking to him a little bit after that, it's like, Oh, maybe there's other names or something. I didn't really know how much was good of a chance I had. Um, and, yeah, you know, they uh, called me and like, hey, you know, they, they decided on you. And, yeah, I was kind of, kind of surprised by it. And, you know, um, that said, uh, I wasn't expecting the the backlash from it that I thought.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the reaction to this booking for some reason, I mean, just hasn't been met with a lot of positivity. Like Bellator's taking a little bit of a beating online because of it because – more because of some of the names that were thrown out there. And this is obviously no fault of your own because you were offered a fight with one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And you said yes to an opportunity. So I wanted to sort of give you the floor to respond to these folks who may not be looking kindly on this piece of business.
6: Yeah. I you know. I, I, I found two different, two different, uh, trains of thought from people. Um, you know, one is you know, people want to, they were. It's been a month, so people got to got to build up these fantasy, you know, matchups in their head for a month and all that. And now when they announced it, there's some people that think that I'm either going to get smashed or whatever because, you know, they think I'm a shitty fighter. Or the other part is they think that Fedor is going to get smashed by me. They, they think it's uh, it should have been two legends, not someone going like my age uh, fight him. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. Fedor had all the names in front of him as well. This isn't on Bellator. This is on Scott Coker. They gave him a list of names just as well. He picked me. The reason why I think he picked me is he got 25 minutes of firsthand experience. He doesn't want to – Fedor's a warrior. He's been in this forever. He doesn't want to go out there and and get an easy knockout win or fight someone who's washed up. He wants to fight. And, you know, he knows that I'm going to go out there and bring a fight to him, and it's not going to be easy. And, um, yeah, that's – he's – come back with your shield or on your shield type of personality. And that's why he picked me and everyone hating on me. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to go out there and you know, try to knock off a, a legend. And yeah, I, I'm on roster. And I'm ready to fight everyone else is hypotheticals. Um, here I am. I'm ready to go.
3: So people have actually been giving you personally grief about this. Like, like on social media and some people have been saying stuff to you. Really?
6: Well, no, just on, you know, just on, like, uh, Twitter comments, you know. But, but my name will be in their mouths when they, like, say and shit like that. Yes.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's like you can have an issue with the matchmaking if you want, but it's not your fault. Like, what are you going to do, say no to fighting Fedor? Like, seems it, a little it was, ridiculous to me.
6: Exactly. Any, you know, Francis or uh, Cyril, any of these guys, they had a, or, no, any heavyweight at any point in their career gets a chance to fight Fedor, they're going to fight him just because he is the greatest of all time. Like you can't, you cannot not take that fight, and I'm more than happy to do it.
3: I mean, you look at some of the names that Scott Coker had mentioned, that and other names that were just sort of sprinkled in, like Junior Santos, Alistair Overeem, Josh Barnett, who I talked to, he really wanted it. Even Jake Hager made a case for this fight. So, I mean, I, I know ultimately, and you, what what was that face? <laughs>
6: two fights, you want to fe- fight Fedor, no, no, then we'll move on.
3: <laughs> I mean, Fedor picked you, obviously. It seems that that was the case, but like, why do you feel that you were maybe the better or the right choice over all those other guys? I mean, again, it's not your problem. You're the guy who got picked, but why do you feel like you were the better guy?
6: I, For reasons, I think that, you know, Fedor picked me because he knew that I was going to be a war. Uh, these other guys, for some reason or not, Maybe or maybe Fedor thinks I'm going to be easy win for him. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why he picked me. I don't know. Um, and I'm just going off of what um, you know. Some insiders, some people from that over that camp or that side of uh, the world have kind of been telling me. And you know, they have a lot of respect for me. They told me they like my style. They like the way I fight and the way I present myself. And everyone who doesn't want to turn into this or tune in and watch this for some reasons of uh, they're angry at it or whatever, that's that's, you'd be stupid not to watch this fight. Uh If this isn't to, if this is his actual last fight, this is going to be, this is going to be Fedor putting everything that he has into these rounds, into these minutes, into these seconds of this fight. He knows it will be his last one if it is. And it is going to be a oh war. He's not going to be, uh, you know, he's not going to get accidentally tapped on his jaw and drop. He, he's going to have to be taken out of a stretcher for him to want to come out of this fight. And that's what I'm preparing for. I'm preparing for, uh Fedor 10 years ago not Fedor. you know last couple his last couple fights
3: the fog like the negativity that that has appeared since this announcement's been made this is mma things change all the time the new cycle frequently changes do you feel like the closer you get to this fight the more the fog will fade away and nobody will have a big problem with it
6: yeah i think so i, I think the main problem is like i said everyone had this fantasy land of things like they're like, you know, people are like, oh, he'll fight, you know, Brock Lesnar. Like, wh- where, where the heck did that come from? I don't know. People, like, <laughs> it's just like they just had this fantasy built up. And they're like, Tim Johnson, who, who the fuck's Tim Johnson? Well, fucking look me up. It's not my fault. You don't know who I am. I've been in the game for quite a fucking while.
3: <laughs> Do you feel like if, if the announcer was just like, I mean, I know you're already getting ready for a title fight, but if they, they just came out and said... Fedor's coming back October 23rd and fighting Tim Johnson just without any of this other fantasy matchmaking. Do you think like no one would have cared? Like it just would have been Fedor's oh, back? There'd probably been like
6: 10% that would have cared, and the rest would have been like, oh, okay, we'll we get to watch Fedor fight, you know? Um, So yeah, it is. Everyone just had this fantasy built up of, you know, maybe it'll be a tag team match or something. I don't fucking know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But the fact of the matter is you're getting this fight. Now you are signed on to fight Fedor in Moscow. Like how fired up are you for this opportunity? Just for yourself, man.
6: I'm fucking, I'm, I'm stoked about it. I, um, my friends and family, everything that I like, you know, they, they always scratch their head, but since I've been in like high school, I'm like, man, the only country I want to go see is Russia. Now I finally get to go to Russia and get to fight the greatest heavyweight of all time. And while I do it, I mean, it's like a uh, kind of a dream come true.
3: Just kind of going back to the Moldovsky fight, you know, you came up short in your bid to become an interim heavyweight champion. I'm sure you've mentally moved on from that. You got something big on the horizon, but just kind of going back to that night and that fight in particular, like how do you look back on it around a month and a half or so later?
6: Yeah, you know, I rewatched the fight uh, a couple of times and had had some friends and coaches. We watch it and gave some unbiased opinion. Um, you know, I knew it was going to be a close fight. At the end of the fight, um, I think that 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 nice little head that headbutt cut where I was bleeding all over definitely kind of swayed some judges. But you know, I was happy. I was super happy about performance. I'm not hanging my head about it at all. I was actually I think I surprised a lot of people that I could go 25 minutes. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, they um you know, the only thing I was really kind of disappointed was as a judge you gave me, didn't give me one round. That was, that was the only thing I was pissed off. I was, ha- I could handle the loss. Cause I was, I was happy with the way I fought, but I like, wait, come on 45, 50. What was that guy smoking?
3: I mean, it was, it, it was a hard, grueling fight for, for 25 minutes. And I'm curious if you felt frustrated at times, because at certain points you were like, come on, dude, let's go. You wanted him to engage a little bit more. What was it a little frustrating while you were in there?
6: You know, I'm not a very animated person or fighter, I should say. When I get in there, I don't really I kind of compose myself a little bit. And, you know, I was just feeling it. <laughs> I was feeling good. I was like, that's fine. I'm tired. We were going in circles. I was starting to get dizzy. I'm like, let's, let's stop moving. Let's <laughs> sit here and throw some leather. <laughs>
3: Who knows what this crazy world is going to look like in October? I mean, obviously, the plan is to do it in Moscow. You want enemy territory. And like you said, maybe this is the very last time that Fedor competes. At least it'll be the last time he probably competes in front of his home fans. How much does that add to this equation? Like, I know you've always wanted to go to Russia, but being able to, to be the American and go over there and fight a Russian hero, like, you must be loving this.
6: No, yeah, I am. I definitely am. Uh, you know, I, I imagine it would probably be a little bit, even a little more intense uh, than when I went and fought in Brazil. I fought a Brazilian in Brazil, you know, that goes, uh, but, um, you know, I expect this to be even more intense than that. So, but I am I welcome it. It's fun. I mean, uh, how many people in the world get to experience this in their lifetimes? So that's the way I always look at stuff like this.
3: <laughs> Scott Coker was asked about this uh, during the last card in LA. And he said that, because of COVID and everything that he is planning on having some sort of contingency in place. If for some reason, this can't happen in Moscow, if that happens, like there might be a couple other locations, they might be able to hold it. Does that lose a little bit of its luster in your eyes? Does it take a little bit of sizzle out of the stake? If it doesn't happen in Russia,
6: it will a little bit. Um, I'm going to be just seek, frankly, and honest. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the the lure of this whole thing is, you know, we're fighting in in Russia in Moscow, um, you know, and, yeah, that will take us, that would take some of it away, but still it's Fedor. <laughs> he, you know, he he brings his own, uh, you know, his, his own persona with whatever he fights, you know, it doesn't have to be in Russia, but, um, yeah, he brings Russia with him. Uh, that's what I'll say.
3: I'm, I'm wondering how you're maybe factoring in like the, the mystique factor of Fedor, because I've talked to like fighters who have fought Anderson Silva and they don't think it's going to be a problem, but when they ha- when they get in that cage with them and they look across and they see Anderson Silva, they're like, Oh my God! I'm fighting Anderson Silva, and they kind of get lost in that for for a couple of rounds. Have you thought about that, Alex? Like, is Fedor a guy that they? I mean, obviously you know who he is, but is he a guy that you followed and 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 just been like, man, like this guy's the man? But now you're going to stand across and fight him? Like, have you thought about how you're going to handle that?
6: Uh, yeah, it's cross the head. Um, I just going to treat it like, uh, you know, hopefully everything when the door closes, that uh, my body will take over, my brain will shut off, and <laughs> just got to fight.
3: Do you have a favorite Fedor moment, Fedor fight that uh, that you like to go back to and watch?
6: Mm. Not offhand.
3: <laughs> Just the whole collection.
6: Yeah, yeah Getting the rabbit no, hole. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? I mean, I mean, twenty eight straight wins. Uh, I mean, that that itself <laughs> um, is pretty amazing at heavyweight.
3: What will beating Fedor Emelianenko mean to you? Like, what does that do for you personally? Like, I know it it does big things for your career, your legacy, to have that name on your resume, but what what does that mean to you personally to be able to go into Russia, get a win over Fedor? Like, what will that mean to you?
6: Uh, I can forever hold that. You know, I can put that feather in my hat forever, you know, 20 years down the line when people are talking about the greatest ever and all that, like, I fought him. And actually, you know what, I beat him. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, it's something cool to be able to say.
3: Right now, you're in Minnesota. You wear many hats. Tell the folks why you're in Minnesota right now.
6: Uh, actually, I yeah, just flew into Minnesota today. I got to go up to Camp Ripley for uh, a week of military training. Um, so to got to check the, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's, and make the check marks for all of our uh, yearly yearly tasks that we have to get done. So um, I'll be up there playing with C4, going out to the 240 range, falling, and yeah, uh, just kind of doing that old army guard thing.
3: <laughs> there you go, man. How often do you have to travel to, to, to take care of that business? Uh, that'll be
6: That's uh, once a month and two to three weeks a year. So like this one, uh, w- this one's actually condensed to five days. Um, uh, which is usually, it's usually two weeks in the summer, but since we were deployed to the Minneapolis for April, um, kind of, you know, took away from our training days. So they, they just kind of took away our training days and moved them all into like a little, uh, you know, uh, I guess a compact version of our two-week training. What
3: was, what was that like being, being in Minnesota in April with everything going on, <laughs> being deployed out there? What was um, that like for you?
6: It was interesting. Uh, I got called a few names, uh, <laughs> uh and yeah, no, but other than that, that was, like I said. Um, uh, just a little bit ago about fighting Fedor or something like that crowd. Um, how many people get to witness that for stuff like that firsthand? uh, I, I love, you know, kind of being in a situation like that. Uh, I recognize that not everyone gets to be in those positions and
3: I take it to heart. And here you are. And now you're going to go into that territory October 23rd. Tim, I appreciate you giving your thoughts on all this. I don't think any criticism at all should be thrown your way. It's it's kind of ridiculous. But uh, any parting words for the fine folks tuning in or listening to this conversation right now before we let you go?
6: Um, you know what? I think I'll just re- reiterate that if you don't want to watch this fight for some reason because you got a chip on your shoulder about uh, me being the opponent, uh, I would highly not – recommend not doing that this is uh you'd be stupid not to watch this fight like i said fedor is going to be come out and be an animal and i'm going to try to tame it
3: there he is tim johnson again if you don't like the booking that's fine i get it i understand there were lots of names lots of carrots sort of dangled in front of us in terms of who it could be but you can't blame him you can't blame him and as i said on, on other shows I don't even know if you can give Bellator that much of, of a blame because you knew that Fedor had a lot of power, a lot of stroke, if you will, for all the old 90s attitude era pro wrestling fans. It was up to him ultimately. Fedor's going to pick who he wants to fight. And maybe, it sounds like that's who he picked. So don't get mad at Tim Johnson. I mean, if you want to throw a little shade at Bellator, go ahead. I mean, they're the promotion. But ultimately, this was Fedor's choice, and he went... With Tim Johnson. So there you go. And 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 Tim shouldn't get any flack at all because any other heavyweight on planet Earth would have said yes to this opportunity. They're not gonna be like, No, I'm not gonna do this. The fans will be upset. No way. So there you go. Big opportunity. He is one of the good guys in our sport. He's a soldier on top of that. He's a vet. And he's a fighter. And it should be a fun fight. It should be a fun fight. Well, let's move ahead to the newest name on the BKFC roster. Let's welcome in Chad Mendez. All right. Big news last week. We found out via the Joe Rogan experience that Chad Mendez is back, but it's happening in BKFC signs a multi-fight deal with the promotion. This is very exciting stuff. Happy to have Chad money. Mendez with us right now to talk all about it. Chad. Good to see you, man. How are you?
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's it's been good. Just got uh, finished with the hard practice and jumping in the office, get some work done before workout number two. So uh, it's it's great to talk to you. It's definitely been a while since I've uh, been doing a lot of this media stuff. I, I your second the second one today, so I got to get back in the swing of this stuff for sure. <laughs> yeah, you seem very you seem like you haven't missed a beat, Chad. I think it's been like five or six years since we
3: spoke. So time has yeah. fled. We're in different places in our lives. It's just crazy, oh, yeah. but. I'm not going to beat around the bush, man. The first question is an obvious one. How did this happen? You were retired from MMA. I know this is different, but still there's punches to the face. And, you know, there's a lot of the same preparation that goes into this. And a lot of people feel that this sport can be a bit more brutal than than fighting in MMA. Like, how did this all happen?
4: You know, I I mean, for me, when I left the UFC, I mean, there was a a few reasons for me leaving. Obviously, I was still in my prime um, still competing with a lot of the guys, the top guys. I mean, my, my loss came to Volkanovsky who's now, you know, somebody that's just been crushing through everybody. But um, <clears throat> for me, it was, you know, we were about to have uh, our first baby. We have a, a baby girl at that time. Um, so obviously that brings a lot of different emotions and stuff into the fight game, uh, at least for me anyways. But um, you know, and, and for me, I, I just started, I mean, I, I launched a, like an outdoor service back in two thousand and fifteen, and had at that point had been dumping a ton of time and energy into growing that um and then started a couple other businesses as well. So for me, going into that last fight, I feel like there was a lot of um, other things on my mind that I was, you know, dumping my time and energy into that you know MMA is it's dangerous. like as much as I love it and I love competing, you know, if you're not one hundred percent, you know, focused on it, you can get in there and get hurt for sure. So, um, I I just, at that time, my contract, when I signed it, well, it would have been what, four or five years ago was a decent contract and it's not a good contract anymore in the UFC. And for me, it was like, look, I, you know, I am making X amount of money. I can make that double doing stuff in the outdoor industry and doing these things with my businesses. Like, is this something I'm even like in the mood to do anymore? Is it something I love? Like, why am I doing this? You know? And so I basically just sat down with my wife and and the team and we kind of just game plan and figured that look, I'm just basically gonna hang them up. I'm gonna go start these other ventures and and put a lot of time and effort into growing this stuff. And you know, who knows? If there's bigger opportunities that come down the road, I'm gonna be open to it. I know I'm still able to compete with the best in the world. It's not that was never any issue of, of, of me leaving. Um, it just, I just at that time felt like it wasn't right for me anymore. Um, and you know, getting in the last, I don't know, year, just getting back into the gym a little bit here and there and really picking up the training over the last couple of months, I've just really gotten that itch to compete. And, you know, I'd say over the last, it's probably been a little less than a year. I know on Rogan's I said it was probably the last year, but, um, a little less than a year, but we've been kind of going back and forth with these guys um, talking numbers, you know, and when, when the right numbers get thrown out, it's pretty hard to, especially when you have that itch to say no to it. Um, and it, it, we ended up figuring out a price that, uh, worked for me, worked for them. Um, I get to basically get in there and compete in a, in a sport that I've always wanted to try. You know, boxing has always been something I've been interested in. Um, you know, obviously being a wrestler my whole life, when I made the transition into MMA, Boxing was like my favorite thing out of everything that I, that I got to train. It was like that new thing. I took to it really well. Um, I think being explosive and powerful, um, and, and basically my body style, it just worked well for me. I was able to figure out the the techniques that worked great for me. And, um, so wrestling and boxing when I was in the UFC were basically like the heart of my style, um, you know, it was late in my career that I finally got confident enough to really start throwing my hands. And um, when we got that stuff dialed, I, I felt like uh, you know, my fight game completely changed. I was going out there and knocking guys out. And um, you know, I had a complete stand-up war with Jose Aldo, fight of the year. Um, you know, and so, you know, I feel like even my fight with Connor, I was, you know getting some great shots in on the, on the feet. And, you know, I just felt good with my striking, Um, you know? And so for me, it was like, look, this, this deal makes sense. I'm still in my prime. Um, You know, obviously my baby girl is older. Now we have the whole baby situation figured out. Uh, We have our second one coming now, but you know, it was just a big scary thing at that time, you know? And so I I feel like we are confident as parents now. And I, I feel like it's, it's a time where I can get back in there and compete while I still have the opportunity, you know, I'm 36 years old. I turned 36 in May, probably maybe have two years, maybe three years uh, before I'm probably going to be like, look, dude, that's probably enough for me. But um, like I said, this opportunity came up, you know, I'm training, I feel good. um, So why not get in there? And to to bring up the point of it being brutal. uh, I just talked about this in the last interview. It's, I mean, think about when the UFC was first, Growing, like everyone looked at it like it was so barbaric. Like my manager was telling me, he's like, back in the day, we could not get any company to sponsor any fighters. They're just like, Oh no, we cannot be a part of that. That is just too barbaric. Like we can't be associated with it. Now it's like, everybody wants to be a part of it. And I think we're probably moving in that direction, but I mean, really, I personally think MMA is way more dangerous than bare knuckle. I mean, I got someone throwing head kicks and cracking basically a baseball bat against my head. I got big knees. I got elbows, uh, you know, wrestling people trying to rip limbs off and, and tear tendons and ligaments. And, you know, I, I think the room for is error, error is definitely a lot bigger in the MMA side. Yeah. I think you're going to get cut a lot more with bare knuckle just because it's sharper uh, surfaces, but the concussion is not going to be any different. If you take an MMA glove and look at it, you got about a half an inch of padding. So I'm basically taking a half inch, maybe even less off of your knuckles. So it's not like it's going to change much of the concussion to the head, you know, but uh, all in on that was kind of my arguing point with the wife anyways, because she's not, you know, she definitely doesn't want me getting back in there and getting hurt, which is understandable. But uh, for me, this is, you know, it's always been a, a passion of mine. It's been, uh, something I absolutely love to do and that's competing. And, um, I, like I said, I feel like I'm still in my prime, so I, I need to jump on this while I can
3: So did you approach them? Did they approach you? Like how did the conversations actually start?
4: They, well, I guess originally they probably, I think it's, um uh, they reached out to Uriah, I think is where it originally started. And and then talking to me, my managers and stuff, kind of going back and forth is how it started. So they, they originally reached out, um, you know, and the original numbers back then, it just wasn't something that, that enticed me enough to want to leave what I'm doing business wise and take that chance, you know? And so it, like I said, it almost took about a year before we finally figured things out. Um, but I, I feel good with where we're at. I feel, you know, this is bigger than any UFC contract I've ever signed. And uh, it, it makes me feel good and motivates me to train hard. You know, I have this very awesome in game at the end of this fight contract. And it's like, I can take that and do so many things with my family, you know, and, and, and grow things and help my businesses. And, um, you know, I just feel good about it. And and like I said, I feel good in training. So it's like, I don't feel like I have to like talk myself to get in there. It's like, I'm excited to do it and I'm, I'm feeling good. So why not?
3: I mean, there's so much to unpack, but I guess like, I guess the premise of all of this is that the itch was never gone. Like the itch compete never yeah. left you. It was just, it's, it was more about the family. It was more about, it's gotta be right for you. It's gotta be worth it. It's gotta be worth your time. Like you realized what your value was and you weren't going to take anything
4: less. Is is that sort of the way you looked at it as well? Basically. I mean, I think I wouldn't say the itch was gone, but the the passion for it was kind of dulled a bit towards the end right there. You know, I just, like I said, I was growing those, the different businesses and I was getting ready to have the baby. So there were so many other things that were pulling my attention away from the fight game and that excitement for it, just from doing it for so long, I think was, was dulling, you know, and without that, without that excitement to want to get in there and train, to want to get in there and get better, to want to get in there and get punched in the face, uh, it's a tough sport, man. It's a tough road to, to fight through that and, and do it. So, um, you know, and I, and I always told myself I would fight even when I signed in college in college with my management team. And my goal was I'm going to fight till about 35. I'm going to reassess my life and see what things look like. And if it's something that makes sense to keep going, I'll keep going. If there's another Avenue, I'm going to go do something else. <clears throat> and at that time, which I was 35, it just didn't in my mind make sense anymore. Uh and and like I said, the, everything was dull, the excitement wise. So I took that of the road. But uh it's crazy how everything kind of just goes full circle and we're right back here. So we'll see. Yeah, man.
3: It is. I mean, especially like when you're that young to have the sort of presence of mind to to set a number. At 35, yeah. we're going to sit down and reassess this. A lot of yeah. people might do that, but then like a year later, it just, it's yeah. gone. Like they're so busy with everything else. So did you have that like written down? Was that something that you had to sort of work with the entire time? That was always in the back of your mind, like 35, we're going to sit down and figure this thing out.
4: I think what reminded me all the time, and especially the reason why I even said that at such a young age was I had so many friends and family members that were like, come on, dude, you just graduated college. Like you have a college degree. What are you doing? And it's like, look, I've competed. I started wrestling when I was five years old, never took a year off from five all the way up through college. And it's like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to go sit in an office if I don't have to, like, if I can continue to compete and make money, you know, it's like, I could have tried for the Olympics, but you know, you don't make much money in the Olympics. And it's like, if I have this opportunity to get in there and, and compete and make money and start growing, uh, financially, like, why wouldn't I do that? So I think it was those people that were kind of always like, well, I don't know, just be safe. And so that's kind of where I was like, all right, well, let's just set this boundary. Like when I get to about 35, let's reassess. And that way I'm not doing it into my forties. And they're, you know, obviously everybody's worried about brain damage, which I am too. That's always something that I've paid attention to. I lost a good buddy to CTE a few years ago. And Um, you know, that even retiring, that was something that weighed heavy on my mind. Like, why am I doing this? Like, is this something that, am I being selfish basically, because I want to keep competing? Um, I'm, I'm making money, but I could probably make money the same amount or more doing something else that I'm not damaging my head for, you know, or, you know, am I just being selfish? Is kind of what I thought almost felt guilty if, if you know what I mean. But, uh, you know, it just, like I said, it didn't make sense at that time. Um, And so we, like I said, took the different road. We grew the businesses. I feel uh, very confident with what we have going over the last few years and how we've grown these things. And uh, for me, it's really just me living my dream, which is freaking phenomenal, but I think comes full circle with grinding my whole life and and going through the wrestling and, and then jumping into the UFC and building the brand and pushing through those awful days of training when everything hurts from head to toe and you know, I think that all just kind of came full circle, but um we took that other road, and like I said, it, it led us right back to where we are now. So, who knows? Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do, and where I'm supposed to be. There you go.
3: I mean, I have, I have a child, I have a wife, so I, I understand that maybe there's some trepidation on her part to, mm-hmm. you know, not just coming back, but but coming back into something that's, you know, compared to the UFC, I know bare knuckle boxing has been around for centuries, but yeah. in terms of being in the mainstream or for a lot of eyes to see, like you said, like it's, it looks worse than it probably is. So how long did it take for you to actually get the blessing from, from the wife and get the go ahead?
4: <laughs> I wouldn't say I necessarily have the blessing, <laughs> still, but you know, we've kind of talked it through and I, I think just kind of explaining this stuff to her, you know, like honestly, like I probably have more of a chance getting injured in MMA than boxing, you know, and I think laying all that stuff out, it kind of opened her eyes a bit. But yeah, I mean she just loves me. I understand it. She doesn't want me going out there and getting hurt if we can be successful doing other things, like do other things. But uh, you know. I don't want to say I'm being selfish again, but I'm kind of being selfish in the sense that I, I want to compete still. Like I, I'm not done. I'm still, like I said, still in my prime. I feel great. Um, and this is just a huge opportunity. So it's like, ugh, you know, but I think, I think explaining everything she understood, which is yeah. great. And she's awesome and definitely supports me. And she's an amazing mom. And thankfully, because it gives me time to get to the gym and do all the work stuff in between that I need to do. So it's cool.
3: Not easy to find in the sport. No. Nope. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, one of the one of the storylines that came out of this is speaking of getting blessings, is that you are still under contract with the UFC. And I assume you got said blessing from the UFC to go ahead and do this. Is, is that accurate? Was there any blowback from them at all?
4: I did. I did. And it's it's actually really cool. I mean, they technically could have just said, you're not going anywhere. Like if you're not fighting here, you're not fighting. But you know, I've always had a great relationship with UFC. And I think this is an awesome uh, thing for them to just let me go and make some money. You know, obviously it's boxing. It's not MMA and there's no way they would have let me go fight in another MMA organization. I understand that. Um, but still, they definitely could have just been like, no, we're not doing this. So no, it's, uh, my hat's off to them for, for being cool in this situation for sure. Did you think they uh, would? I didn't honestly, I (laughs) I thought it would be a hell no, but you know, it's pretty cool
3: what did Uriah think about this whole thing? You going over to the bare knuckle world, what was his initial reaction to it?
4: I think he's more excited than I am. He was actually trying to kind of talk me into it from the beginning, but he knows that it's got to make sense. I mean, he, he understands like, you know, we're, we're doing well with these other businesses. It's not anything that isn't needed, you know? And so he was actually helping lock these deals up. So he was going back and forth a little bit. Uh, my manager's going back and forth a little bit. So um you know i think there was a bunch of moving parts with all this but yeah faber is definitely in there uh going to bat for me so that's cool
3: it's fun man like i i covered the last show in tampa the the one that Paige and rachel fought on it was nuts the whole create car was insane man it's so much different going to one of those events and watching those events than watching a ufc or a bellator UFC. Event. So it's oh, I like bet.
4: night and day <laughs> i haven't been to any live events i've been watching them you know but I'm excited to go. I might have to go just check one out in person before before my fight just to see it firsthand. But, um, yeah, man, it's an exciting sport. Like, you know, you're starting off toe to toe, which is pretty cool, you know. It, it, they're shorter rounds,'re two minute rounds. So it's like I know guys in the UFC, me being one of them with certain fighters, like you want to pace yourself, you know, you got you can't go balls to the wall the whole time where a two minute round, like I've been doing training and and hitting minutes and doing stuff for two minutes, like doing two minute rounds. And I'm like, God, it feels like 30 seconds after training five, five minute rounds, you know? And so I feel like guys and girls uh, feel that way too. And they're just letting it rip in there. So uh, it's definitely pretty exciting for the fans to watch when there's, when there's no pacing yourself for sure.
3: One thing that we've sort of, that, that I've noticed and, and, and Paige is kind of one is, is probably the best example I can use for this because the first fight that she had, and this is just me. I'm not a fighter. Maybe you uh, you can kind of give your take on this. The first fight she had with Britton Hart, I thought it was more like an MMA fighter going into bare-knuckle boxing. The second mm-hmm. fight with Rachel, I thought she focused a lot of time on her boxing. Her her right. boxing was way better than it was. Like It was much more technically sound, but I felt like there needs to be like a middle ground between the two. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you have to sort of deal with that? Like, think about that yourself? Like, what's the best way to approach this? Like, I can't be the wild MMA guy, but I have to have some technique as well.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think uh, I, I agree on that. I think Paige definitely looked a lot more technical and looked a lot more like a boxer in that second fight. But no, I, I think there's definitely got to be some middle ground. I think for me, um, I'm trying to find that, you know, going. It's definitely, I mean, I even hitting mitts over the last probably couple, I don't know, five, six years of my MMA career, we focused a lot on just boxing. I didn't, I mean, let's be honest. I got short legs. I'm not flexible at all. I, I mean, a head kick for me was something that was extremely rare. So I didn't work it a ton. I mean, when Dwayne was there, we did did a bit, but you know, I focused a lot on late kicks and basically boxing, you know? And so um, I definitely, you know, for me, at least I'm excited to really hone all my energy and uh, just efforts to that one discipline, the boxing, just focus everything. Uh, and it, it, to me, it, like I'd say we we've been doing that for probably the last two months now. And from the first time we really started, to now i feel night and day like my boxing i feel like has gotten so much better um which you know in in mma it's like god you got three practices a day you got a Full pro practice in the morning, which is all of MMA. Then you go and do something strength and conditioning. Then you got to try to get a wrestling or a jujitsu practice in in the evening. You know, and there's just like so many different disciplines that you have to try to fit in. I almost feel like it waters everything out and dilutes everything. Like I want being able to just focus on one thing, like my wrestling career. You're just grinding on wrestling every single day. Like I make leaps and bounds, and I feel like I get so much better in such a short amount of time. So, um, yeah. All in all, I think. I think I'm finding that middle ground uh, of the MMA fighter and the boxer. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see when I get in there, I guess.
3: So it sounds to me like you're very content with what's happening right now. Like you're, you're, you're you like doing the one discipline makes life a little bit easier, but it's still very, very challenging and very yeah. fun. You're, you're trying to hone this whole thing. Yeah. Are you able to say that you've had your last MMA
4: fight? I, I mean, maybe, I mean, here's the thing. Like I'm still under UFC contract. I think I still have three fights or four fights on that contract. And the last interview was asking this, like, would I ever come back to the UFC? And I, I can't say no, like, of course, like if the money, obviously for what my contract is right now, hell no, not, not a chance in hell. But uh, if we were to talk and numbers made sense and we could get something that does make sense, I, w- I would think about it. You know, it was definitely something that I'm not done with, but, I just don't know if that's ever going to happen. So, you know, we'll see.
3: But you'd be fine with not fighting in the UFC again.
4: Yeah. I mean, it was fun, but it's not like it's something I'm like missing extremely bad right right now. You know, it would have to be
3: opportunistic more Mm -hmm. than anything.
4: Yeah. Especially because I have other avenues now that, that will eat up that, that itch to compete like this, like, this is cool, you know, or, You know, I was even doing some jujitsu tournaments and making some money doing that. Obviously not a lot of money, but some money just kind of fitting those in here and there, which is fun, you know, um, very low stress. I can, you know, train pretty, you know, you know, basically just fit stuff in my work schedule and then just make it work. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, it's got to make sense for sure.
3: So the debut for you, October 22nd, right? That's, that's the plan. Yep. October do you know 22nd, what they
4: say? Chandler, it was Chandler, Arizona, I think it's where it's gonna be.
3: Yep, just outside of Phoenix. Do you do you know what, what like weight wise where you're gonna be fighting at? Like around what weight? I know the weight classes are a little different, BKFC, but like yeah, do you know like so, what you plan to walk
4: around at? Um, I think so. Basically, what we talked about with bare knuckle is going 155s, mainly because their 45 uh opponent selection is pretty slim. There's not a lot of guys that fight at 45s, I guess. Um, So they're like, look, you're going to have a lot more opportunities for fights at 55s, which I'm fine with. I mean, I'm walking around like 170, 175 with a full belly. Um, So it's making 45s wouldn't be super fun. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, I, I think 155s probably.
3: Is there an opponent yet? I mean, you don't have to tell me who it is, but do you? No, do you there.
4: It- Honestly, there isn't. We. I'm still waiting, man. I'm like, come on, guys. I want give me a name so I can start doing some research and like start game planning and putting some some stuff together. But uh, I'm hoping that they said probably anytime soon. They're just trying to find find someone. So
3: okay. We'll so it's not just like they've they haven't thrown any names out. You at you nothing at all. at all.
4: Nothing at all. So fingers crossed that comes back soon.
3: I don't know. Like I know you watch the events are, are there any names that you want? Like maybe not for this first one, but you're like, it's not, and it's not trash talking. This is like, you're a competitive yeah. guy. Like you want to go in there and fight good guys and challenge yourself. Maybe there's someone on a nice little run right now. Someone that sticks out to you that you want to get in there with, like, is that something you thought about at all? Or are you just kind of just waiting for this first one to go before you start looking
4: down? Yeah, honestly I have. And I want to get in there and get my feet wet. I want to see what, I mean, I've never competed in a boxing fight before, you know, like, I don't think it's going to be like super crazy different than an MMA fight, but it might be, you know, who knows, maybe this is something I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? You know? And you know, we'll see, but, uh, there isn't any particular names. I know Palomino has the belt. Um, uh, good John. I know some of these guys, obviously I've been watching them fight at 55s. Um, those are all tough guys. I'm sure those guys are people that I'm probably going to end up getting in there with, uh if everything goes smooth you know so um yeah we'll see but no i don't there's not like one specific dude that i'm like i have to get in there and fight this dude you know i'm sure i'll be making a little belt run but uh you know let's get in there and, and get a win first before we say anything well said um speaking of 145ers which you're not
3: in the UFC right now uh, Josh Emmett has been trying to get back yeah. in there. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he had a slew of injuries after the Burgos fight. And he told me a few months ago when I spoke with him that he had a setback and it sort of delayed things even more. And his hope was that maybe November, December, he gets back in there. He wants to try to get in before the end of the year. Like, how's he doing these days? Like I saw, you know, a couple posts recently on social media, you guys training together. Do you still see him a lot? How's he doing right now? Yep.
4: Actually, I was just finished up doing my mitt work uh, with my coach and then he was coming in to work with them right right after. So I got to see him a little bit, but, um, he's, he's moving along nicely, man. He's, you know, starting to get back in, in good shape. He's, you know, slowly, but surely the injuries just have been plaguing him. Unfortunately, I feel horrible for him, but the dude is a beast. I mean, he's, he's getting in there and he's doing some light sparring now and, uh, starting to hit mitts, uh, picking up the pace on that stuff too, and jumping in some of the MMA stuff too. So, um, I think as of right now, everything's right on track to come back. So, Uh, fingers crossed nothing else crazy happens for him but I I'm excited to see him get back in there and start knocking dudes out
3: yeah I I feel like he's he's always been a guy that like any momentum he gets like the injuries like you said just kind of slowed him down and after that Burgos fight I think his stock was bigger than it ever was and then once they found out what the injuries were it actually like boosted his stock even more but now in MMA as you know like the world turns very quickly and, oh yeah, but people want to see him. They're excited to see him again. I feel like he's in a better spot now than he's ever been in his career.
4: Yeah. And that's awesome to hear, man. Josh is a hard worker, is super nice guy. Um, And the guy just, you know, he, he definitely has probably some of the highest talent in our gym. I mean, I'd say that guy hits harder than anybody in our gym. I I do not like getting hit by that dude, but um, yeah, man, hopefully that stuff all plays out and he's back in there soon
3: Chad Money Mendez joining us. Good for him. Get that money, son. Got the blessing from the UFC, which was shocking to him. Probably more shocking to me, honestly. And my take just hearing that conversation, even though he didn't flat out, didn't come on, and just like flat out say it. I think he's had his last MMA fight. I, one, I just don't think the UFC is going to let him out of the contract. Two, I just don't know if the desire is there from Chad. Unless the money's there, I I think money probably outweighs desire at this point. And the other reason I don't think I, I don't think the money he feels he deserves and probably does deserve, which all fighters deserve, will be there from the UFC. So he's gonna go to BKFC, he's gonna make some good money, he's gonna keep his businesses flourishing, be a dad, be outdoors, train, be happy. And that's what life is all about. So good for Chad Money Mendez. But let us shift gears to the boxing ring with the gloves the gloved boxing still kind of in the MMA space as the show typically does but uh Anthony Taylor multi-time Bellator vet he's got himself at a big time spot August 29th in the squared circle Showtime pay-per-view big card big opportunity let's hear from him right now on what the heck All right let us welcome Anthony Taylor to the show he has his next fight booked and it's going to take place in the boxing ring he's going to fight Tommy Fury The brother of heavyweight champion Tyson Fury on August 29th. The event headlined by Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley on Showtime pay-per-view. Anthony, it has been a minute, man. How are you? I'm
7: doing great, man. I'm I'm doing really good, Mike.
3: Doing really good. So this is quite the opportunity for you, Anthony. Being on this card with the main event that has the whole world talking right now. This is big. This is big-time stuff for you.
7: Oh, man. Yeah. I mean... I've been in this position so many times inside the gym, when you're sparring with AJ age, McKee, age, Baby and Rampage. <laughs> it's like the main event every time when you're going with those guys.
3: So you and I, just to, to give people a little bit of a rundown, when you and I were trying to to move up in this crazy world that we live in, you and I did some interviews 2015, 2016, I think 2017. It was like the mid to end 2017 that we, that we last spoke. It was early on in your pro MMA career, and I've sort of followed along on your journey since then, and you've been through a lot, man, from everything that I had seen. If I told you this time in 2017 that you would be in this position that you're in right now, would you have believed me?
7: Oh, no. <clears throat> I was like 2-5 and five at the time of my record. Man, how I manifested so much things that happened this year.
3: It's crazy. And I remember sort of back in that time frame, some some very dark posts on social media because you and I were, were Facebook friends for a while, had a lot of people concerned about, you know, possible suicide. Things were just really rough. And I mean, look, look, you're in your late 20s. You're trying to figure out this crazy thing called life. And then things began to sort of turn around for you. Antonio McKee reaches out and it seemed like he said the right thing at the right time and things turned the corner for you. What what, what was going on in your life at that time, if you don't mind me asking?
7: You know. I was dealing with a lot of personal issues with family, um, relationship, fighting, living situations, you know, not just one particular thing, but everything coming together was more like, fuck this. I don't want to be here no more. Like, I'm giving up. I'm a quitter, you know, and I think, you know, Antonio really helped me out because he really, like, helped me, you know, and damn. Since so long, you know, I just really had to take control of my life. You know, at the time, I let Delaware control of my life. I never really had control of my life, of my career. And this was the first time I actually took control of my life, my career.
3: How big of a presence has Antonio been in your life? Like, not just in the gym, not just because of that moment in your life, but I mean, obviously something has to trigger you to make these changes in your life. And it seemed like Antonio was the guy to to help lead you in that direction. So, I mean, just overall, how big of a presence has that man been for you?
7: Well, give me one second. Sure. He's been in my career since the day I started MMA. Um, He's been like a father to me, brother to me, um, a mentor to me. Overall, everything to me. You know, he, he's the reason where, where I'm at with my career too. Um, I'm not going to take all, oops. I'm not going to take all the, you know, <laughs> all the glory of this. He's the reason where I'm at. He gave me the opportunity to fight on Bellator. He gave me the opportunity to express myself. He gave me opportunity to travel the world and see life. Um, Antonio has done a really good job on handling my personality He's he's done a really good job handling the the chemistry with me and AJ and everybody in the gym.
3: Yeah, I mean you seem I mean you still get some of that pretty boy swagger going on. There's no doubt about it, but it's definitely it's definitely toned down a little bit. Like you found like sort of a happy medium between I guess, humble guy, but the pretty boy swagger, like you found like a sort of a happy medium between the two. Is that fair to say? At least that's what I see.
7: Absolutely. You know, Antonio is a jokester himself. You know, he's a very hardworking man. He's one of those guys who, who are in a gym with every fighter too, training, sparring, grappling with everybody.
3: Do you remember? And the last thing about this, and then we'll move on, but do you remember sort of the turning point where you felt like, things are back to normal for you? Like you'd crawled out of that hole. I mean, maybe it's just a fight you have to deal with every single day to not get back there. But do you remember when you felt comfortable with yourself again? And that like, listen, I was, I was being, I was wrong. This life is worth living right now.
7: I don't think any of us are actually comfortable with the way we live every day. You know, I think we're all working on getting out of our comfort zone every single day, you know, we can never truly understand who we are ourselves. (laughs) You know, um, everybody's different. And, you know, with me, I think, I think it starts with the foundation of who you are. How's your relationship with your parents? You know, how's your relationship with your friends? How's your relationship with yourself? And not a lot of people is willing to accept that or accept the truth about that. And being comfortable in those environments or situations, you know, especially when you're a fighter, there's, all, there's an eye in fighting. There's an eye, there's an eye in fight, just two eyes in fighting. The eyes is me, the eye is the other guy. I am fighting you, <laughs> you know? And the comfort zone of that, it takes time. You, you you never know when. It can be like, hey, I win this fight, win two more fights, I'm a multi-millionaire like Conor McGregor. Then I have to be like, okay, I'm comfortable. You know, you just never know when you're comfortable. Even though Conor's where he at, Conor's not comfortable because look out what he's doing.
3: It's a great point. So,
7: you can never know when you're comfortable.
3: Yeah, that's a that's, that's an interesting way to to look at this. And we talked about Antonio. <laughs> now seeing what freaking AJ's been able to do. My God, coming a world champion, defeating Patricio Pitbull in, in relatively short order. I mean, that was an unbelievable performance. How did you react to that, watching that all go down?
7: I knew it was going to happen quick. Um, AJ's a fast starter. He's, and he ends the fight the way he starts. He's going all out. AJ's not taking no... He's not taking <laughs> no shortcuts. AJ takes the hard way around things. And look where he's at. He's a champion multi-millionaire. Took a no damage and no fights. You know, he's in a good position.
3: I mean, look at him, but look at you right now. You've, you've come back. You've won five fights in a row. You're about to be on this big card at the end of the month. You're in Puerto Rico freaking training with George St. Pierre and, and John Danaher. I mean, this is, this is quite the change from where you were a few years ago. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of like yeah. surreal to think
7: about? Man, it it was like, man, I'm thinking like, whoa, I'm with the GOAT, like, George and John, you know, I'm I'm in Puerto Rico with Jake Paul, you know, and, and every other fighter out there, like, man, like, you know, I'm the coolest MMA fighter right now, like, that's what I'm thinking, I'm the coolest MMA fighter, you know. Jake Paul is the top 10 guy that everybody talks about in boxing. I'm going to be, after this fight, I'm going to be a top 10 MMA fighter. Everybody's talking about in MMA. Everybody's going to be, I'm going to be trending on social media on Twitter. Watch.
3: All right. So, for those that you mentioned it, for those who follow you on social media, you and Jake Paul have been apparently traveling the world together. You're getting the rounds in, you've been doing it for a little while. When did you first meet Jake Paul? Like, how did this relationship begin? <laughs>
7: Well, it was funny because I was talking crap about him on Twitter. <laughs> and this coach, BJ Flores, and he was like, hey, if you want to fight Jake Paul, why don't you come down to Miami and spar? I'm like, sure, win, just jokingly. You know, I'm like, <laughs> never going to happen. So <laughs> BJ was like, spar next week, Miami, come on down. Here's the address. I'm like, holy shit, I'm ready about to spar Jake Paul. So I fly down to Miami. I go to Miami. I'm like, man, we're about to really get it in. All of a sudden, we go Rocky. We go Rocky uh, 2 at the end of the Rocky 2 scene. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Bam. (laughs) We go, we do her thing, you know. Um, We had our difference on social media. And then, you know, after the Ben Askren fight, he's getting ready for the, you know, Tyron Willie fight. He calls me up. Obviously, I made an impression, you know. I did something right in the sparring match. I'm not going to talk about the sparring match, you know, because I don't talk about sparring, but I done something for him and wanted to bring me back. Jake could have called anybody else in the world. Anybody else in the world, any UFC fighters, boxers, but he decided to call me. I
3: was, yeah, I mean, because I, I have to say, I, I was kind of surprised about your involvement in this camp at, because this whole thing is being structured as, at least like on the marquees and how the storylines go, it's boxing versus MMA. It's fighting MMA fighters and taking on some of the bigger names and trying to prove a point to MMA. And, you know, you've been involved in this sport for several years. You've been on a roll competing inside cages while a big chunk of the MMA community, the fighters, etc. They seem to be all against Jake Paul, hoping Tyron Willie really just destroys him and we put an end to the circus. Like, and you're out there sparring with them and training with them and building this relationship with him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you like after that first sparring session, do you no longer look at it like other MMA people do? Like, like it's boxing versus MMA, but more of two guys just trying to get each other better. You know, how does this all work?
7: Well, here's where here's what people make mistakes. A lot of these fighters make mistakes. They look at Jake Paul as a YouTuber. He's not a YouTuber. He's a boxer. He's a fighter. And the mistake where people get is, oh, he's a YouTuber. When I flew to Miami, and the reason why I got called back, because I didn't look at Jake Paul as a YouTuber. I looked at him as a fighter. Anybody, I don't care if you a plumber, firefighter, police officer, or nanny. Hell, I wouldn't even care if you are the DEA. You know, the DA, the district attorney. You step in that ring or a cage, you're considered a fighter now. Especially when I'm in that cage with you or that ring with you. I don't care who you are. If my mom's stepping in that ring or cage, you're a fighter now. Because you're telling me you're risking your life against the other person the rest of your life. You're a fighter. You know, you don't, you don't put on that, that police uniform just because you want girls and showboat for a gram. You go in there and you, you put on that police uniform, you put on that, firefighter uniform, you're risking your life. You're now saying, hey, I'm a fighter for the people. I'm a fighter for myself. Overall, I'm a fighter. So that's why that's the mentality I had when I went to Miami to spar J. Paul.
3: So he got your respect after that sparring session. We don't have to get into the details, but you walked out of it and you were like, damn, I, I respect this guy.
7: Well, I knew he was training. I knew he could box. I mean, damn, he's like 6'2, 220. <laughs> I mean, shit. You've been doing it for three years, so you better know how to box. Jake's improved a lot, man. This guy is unbelievably good. Um, you know, don't be surprised if you actually see him spar Canelo in three years. People, what's
3: interesting about Jake is like, and you can attest to this being an, being an MMA people talk about like Colby all the time. Like he has this character, Colby coming he ruffles feathers when the cameras are on, he's playing the villain, but those in his inner circle, if you will, those close to him, a lot of his training partners, they, they say like how good of a guy he is. He's just, he's not the same guy as you see on camera and Jake and Colby are obviously different people, but you know, Jake comes off a certain way on television, but he's, he's, he's a promoter. He's trying to promote fights and get people to watch. Like, I mean, true.
7: I mean, Jake. My Jake is Jake. Who am I to tell Jake can't be? You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, he's a youtuber." Well, shit. No one brings up the fact that I was a stripper, got into MMA. You know, for being flamboyant. You know, what Jake does, Jake speaks his truth and his facts about other people or what he does. I don't get involved in that. You know, that's him. That's him engaging with people. You know, I, I listen. I watch and I listen. You know, because Jake is Jake. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, Jake Jake is, is telling lies. Jake is telling the truth. That's something for the fans to see and follow through and see if he followed through on that lie or that comment. You know, like he speaks up on fighter pay. I don't know about the UFC on Dana White and her pay. So I don't speak on that because I don't know. I'm not in that position. I've never, I've never received backlash on fighter pay. You know, I don't know. I can't speak on the UFC and their pace structure because I'm not in the UFC. You know, I fought for Bell for my whole career. You know, so the best thing I can do is just watch from afar and see how things play out. I try to stay away from it.
3: Fair enough. I was just, wondering, I was just wondering if he is kind of different. Like, see a cool guy. Like, I think that's kind of where i'm going in the short man, the short answer okay
7: um he's a cool guy man the guy's business he's funny um friendly he invited me over for dinner with him and his family i met his mom his family his brothers his brother i'm sorry um jake is a really good kid like very honest like it was crazy jake paid me more money in three months training with him being his farm partner than i did in my whole career in MMA of six years wow and i fought for bellator five times
3: it's wild man it's freaking crazy so it seems like you found yourself in a in a a pretty good spot for in a number of ways but uh obviously jake's yeah jake's got a big fight with tyron it's on the marquee but before that fight happens you're gonna be boxing tommy fury and it's been fun to watch, man. You guys have been going back and forth with videos. You're singing songs, cutting promos on the guy. Like, how do we get to this place? Like, when did this beef with Tommy start? It's such hostility, Anthony.
7: Man, I mean, the day I was out there training with Jake, Jake was like, hey, I got some good news. and some good opportunity for you. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I'm going to give you the opportunity of a lifetime to change your world, to change your life. He's like, you ever heard of Tommy Spear? I'm like, yeah. This guy's been asking you out. Jake's like, hey, I want you to fight this guy. Beat him up. Change your life. I'm like, woo, Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. And look where I'm at. I manifested this day what happened. I said on my Twitter, um, May 31st, June 1st, I said, I called him out. I called Tommy out. Find me, find these bombs. See how I manifest that. Now, all of a sudden, I'm fighting Tommy now because I manifested this stuff. There's no love lost. No love lost here. God put me in this position for a reason. You know, I can't lose. It's three weeks. Why lose? I got the whole. I got my whole life ahead of me. Why lose this fight? Why lose? I got every nothing to lose, but everything to gain. If I lose, oh, he's just an MMA fighter. He's not a boxer. I go straight back to MMA. My record's not... Nothing belongs on my record. I beat this guy? Holy crap, this guy's a real deal. Jake's Paul, sparring partner. Anthony's the real deal. Sky's the limit for me, you know?
3: So you're playing with house money on August 29th. Um,
7: man, I'm I'm playing... I'm not even playing with house money. I'm playing with my money. I'm betting my own money because I know I'm going to want this and get it back. You know? Right now, we're playing blackjack and I just hit an ace on my first hand. Whoop! What's up? You know what I'm saying? I got two aces. I'm either going double down or hit me. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, split those.
7: <laughs> split those. <laughs> you know? I, I, look, we're playing poker. hey, I got a royal flush. I'm just trying to make sure I can hit that jackpot. <laughs> you know, if you got any aces, we'll split the pot.
3: Tommy is 6-0 and oh thus far as a pro boxer. You seem to uh, have a little bit of an issue with the, the records of the opponents that he's faced. Of course, he's been trying to get a fight with Jake as well, as you mentioned. Have you watched Tommy box at all? Have you seen any of his fights? No, been need. no
7: need. I have a better job. I have... I have a better chance watching regular amateur spar and the Olympics.
3: Oh, That's all good. Hold up. Oh, real quick. I
7: have, I have a better chance. I have a better chance watching Olympics and getting more work from that. You know, I'm not, I'm not getting the best out of it.
3: All right. So you just, you're ready to go. You don't, you've I'm seen better- everything you need to see already.
7: I've seen everything I can't see. He's on as good as his last fight. and He looks sloppy as hell. All
3: right. So you have seen something on him. Yeah. And not impressed.
7: Not impressed at all. What they say, hey, you're not that guy, pal, trust me. You're not that guy. <laughs> and Tommy looks at me, and you are? And I'm like, absolutely.
3: Speaking of MMA, because you said, whatever happened, like if you lose, you just go back to MMA. You did fight your last fight for Bellator. Are you under contract with them, or is that just a one and done?
7: That's a one and done. I'm I'm free agent. If UFC wanted to pick me up, they'd pick me up. Bellator wanted to talk to me, we could talk. But right now, I'm a free agent, and my focus is on Showtime. Showtime, baby, because I'm Showtime.
3: And if you win, you're still planning on doing MMA as well. Still Who knows? going back.
7: If if I win, I might stay with the. I might stay with the. You know. With boxing, who knows where I go? All
3: right, hold on one second. Um Chad, if you can hear me, just hang hang tight for like two more minutes. All right. All right. Uh so how does this one all go down, Anthony? How, how do you set the table for Jake? How do you kick off the festivities in Cleveland August 29th? What's the headline gonna read?
7: Second round TKO. Pretty boy does pretty quick work. That's Tommy Theory.
3: And what's the prediction for the main event? Because I don't think you're going to go out there and say second two. Uh,
7: fourth round TKL Jake Paul.
3: All right, so we're going to go to the fourth round here, uh, Anthony. I gotta say, I'm very happy for you, man. Like you have been hey. through a lot, you've come through on the other side. Big things are happening for you, and, and a big opportunity awaits you. August 29th in Cleveland. Uh, any parting words for Mr. Fury before we say goodbye?
7: Um, hey Fury. Um, hope you and your family are healthy, COVID-free. Um, hope you have a healthy weight cut. Looking forward to meeting you. Um, come professional. Come on weight. Come on time. And let the best man win or the pretty one win. Of course, it's me. And let's make it happen.
3: Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor, quite a story there. He He's found his why. He's found happiness. Some acceptance as well. And... It seems like he is just in a tremendous place right now. And looking at where he was four or so years ago to where he's at right now, I'm very happy for him. Good on him. He's got a nice opportunity to make some money and potentially shock some people at the same time on August 29th. But we're going to wrap things up. We have one more conversation. But uh, once again, thank you to all of you who have watched, listened to, commented on. Or really, anything in regards to the show—the good, the bad, the indifference—much appreciated from all of you. It means the world. I learned from all of it, and like I said at the top, we have a lot of irons in the fire. Of course, the mma Hour is back next week. That is just massive news. I'm so happy about that. Um, but one thing—I one thing that I sort of teased on Twitter, kind of going back to the irons in the fire. I've sort of engulfed myself into this big project and I've been working on it for several weeks now, well over a month. And what just started as a simple interview has just become everything. I mean, it's just been a wild journey. Uh, I got obsessed with the story and after doing so many different interviews about it and talking to so many different people, it really has become one of the most unbelievable stories that I've ever heard in MMA outside of MMA bubble. I mean, it's just, it's wild. And I'm also working on sort of a little mini documentary podcast on this story as well, since there were so many great voices that took part in this, not all of which were were, were able to be used in this right, this feature that I'm doing um, And some of the, the great quotes, some of the amazing stories that were told, didn't make it as well they just didn't fit in the overall theme of the of the piece and there's reasons why uh but with this doc we can add some of those voices we can add some of those great quotes some of those great stories and uh i'm excited i've never really written anything like this before i produced a lot of things i've never really produced a mini doc from an audio sense like this before so i'm looking forward to dropping it soon uh i'm a little anxiety written written when it comes to this i've, I've had conversations with sean al shadi about this especially like the day before i'm probably gonna lose my mind probably not gonna sleep the night before um uh, so hopefully that's gonna you'll, you'll see that in the next few days so no worries there but um a lot of ums here i wanted to thank jose young's and alex savis for all of their help with the graphics the social media the clips all of their help it means a lot Early stages of the show, Esther Lynn, tremendous help getting graphics put together and figuring out a lot of different things and, and helping out on that end. Really appreciate that. And of course, EKC Casey Lydon for his work producing the show. Countless hours, him sitting on Skype calls with me, sitting in on interviews, just listening and recording and producing. It is not easy. It's probably not all that fun. There are probably some interviews where were a lot of fun. Some were, were a little heavy. Uh, But he sat through hours and hours and hours of these, and he's done it from the beginning. He's crushed it every time. So big shouts to my man, EKC, the baddest stash in MMA media. And of course, can't leave out the fighters, the commentators, the promoters, everyone, even the pro wrestlers who have been on the show, everyone who has been a guest on the program. I really do appreciate it. But like I said, more interviews coming down the pipeline just in a little bit different form not in a show quite like this and then we're going to do some some other cool stuff along the way as well but we are done here on what the heck one more time have a heck of a week everybody we'll leave you with my chat with the challenger for this friday night's middleweight title fight at bellator 264 john salter All right, let us say hello to John Salter, who returns to the Bellator cage this Friday night in the main event of Bellator 264. He will challenge Gegard Mousasi for the Bellator middleweight title. An ongoing journey for over two decades with wrestling and MMA. Now he has the opportunity to have all that work culminate into a world championship. John, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. So I'm wondering if your initial reaction to getting this title fight was about time because i mean it has been like a really long journey for you like you've been knocking on the door for a while now and now you have the chance to get up and answer it was that sort of how you reacted to this
8: yeah i was uh really excited when i got the call uh i believe it was february um got the call about potentially fighting in june so i was really excited about that you know and then obviously got pushed back and uh so here we are in august but uh you know i like i said i think it's been a long time coming and um i'm Excited to finally get this opportunity.
3: Do you know why it got pushed push back from June? I have no idea. I was never told um,
8: just that we needed to push it back. So I was, I was okay with that as long as we kept the fight.
3: I know you wear a, a lot of different hats, training partner, coach, mentor to a lot of fighters. And there's more that I'm probably missing here, but you know, I bring these things up because you are a very busy man. And with you being out of action for pretty much a year, by the time you make the walk on Friday, you seem to be okay with the timing now, but in hindsight, if you could have done it sooner, would you have preferred it being sooner?
8: Absolutely. Yeah. I would have loved for it to have been, you know, quite a bit sooner, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and uh, like I said, I've got other things going on with the gym and other things. So it's not the end of the world. Would have been nicer to do it maybe uh, six months ago, but this is uh, fine with me. Just glad we're here when we are.
3: Many have felt like you've deserved this opportunity for a while now, and you know that. But when I spoke with Gegard before he fought Douglas Lima, I mean, he felt like you would be next in line had he won that fight, which he did. Were you worried at all that Bellator might go in a different direction with this first title defense? Or were you confident that this was definitely going to happen for you?
8: Yeah, at first, I was a little concerned. Uh, You know, I know they had talked about him going up to a five, you know, and that puts the division kind of on hold. Uh, and, you know, there's also the, the word that if, uh, Lima had one that he goes back down to 170 to defend his title there, you know, so a lot of things could have happened. I'm um, really glad that it went the way it did, obviously. And, um, so now we can keep the division moving
3: because of this journey that you've been on John, this, this long road to a title shot and it arriving just a few days from right now, does this fight week feel different? Like, do you have to take any feelings and bury them or is that something that you feed off of?
8: Um, you know, I kind of just put that out, just trying to, it's a fight, you know, it's just like any other, uh, fight week, uh, not, and nothing's really changing too much. So just trying to keep it like that. And then, you know, obviously there is the you know kind of looming over you. This is a different, uh, different thing, different opportunity, different opponent, but at the end of the day, it's still fight week and just try to treat it like normal
3: guard won that title in November against Lima. So it was a big fight for the promotion. It was something that had been in the works for a while. And then COVID kind of like shut down the world and it got pushed back several months. What, what did you think of that fight being booked to begin with as a guy that was so close to getting that shot? Like, did you understand that? And, you know, what was your initial thoughts when you saw that fight was booked?
8: Um, obviously I was upset. You know, I thought it should have been me and guard fighting uh, for the title there. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, Lima had, uh, kind of cleared out the welterweight division for a little while. So I think that's, you know, when it is acceptable, for somebody to jump up a weight class. Um, and, uh, obviously, you know, you had a tough fight coming up after that, but, um, you know, I, I understood it, but was obviously upset. Cause I think I was the guy that should have been right there, ready to fight for it.
3: I'm sure you were watching that fight very closely. What did you, what did you think of the fight? Did it, did it go the way you expected it to? Did anything sort of surprise you in that fight?
8: Um, you know, I think just once again, it was kind of the same thing that we always see is that gay is able to pull people into his fight pace and lull people into what he wants to happen. you know, and, uh, you saw it with Rory McDonald. You saw it with Lima. Um, you know, you, you see it a lot of times when he fights, uh, that he kind of just pulls people into what he does and uh, guys never get out of that once they get sucked in. And I think that's kind of what happened to Lima. He just never really got going because um, Gaygaard never gave him an opportunity.
3: I spoke with Gegard a little earlier and he feels at least the way a lot of people look at this fight on paper feel When you look at this, this matchup, it's a classic catches, catch can striker versus wrestler type of matchup. And, you know, he's certainly down for that battle. He's been there many times, but one thing he's looking forward to are the exchanges that may have to take place in order for you to get this fight to the ground, to your bread and butter. How have you prepared for that aspect of the fight is like, is there anything extra that you've had to do in preparation from a striking aspect to get yourself ready to sort of implement your game?
8: Yeah, um, you know, there's not a lot of guys that uh, strike like him, you know, so kind of got to bring, you know, I got a guy that's got a fantastic fast long jab uh, like he has got a guy that does a really good right hand and just walks you down like he does, you know, um, guys that are throwing uh, odd angles that you don't normally see, you know, some kind of having to use different training partners to build that masasi
3: in the gym, but I think it's going really well a potential 25 minutes of fighting is, is on our hands this Friday, Mohegan sun. And even when you've been in five round fights, they haven't gone very long, but it's been what, around a decade or so since you've been in like a title fight for five rounds. Is is that right?
8: Uh, Yeah, that's about right. So, uh, you know, and that one ended in the second round. So, um, you know, I, ha- I haven't gone deep that many times, been in the third round a few times, um, you know, I had a bad, Turn. or had a couple of third rounds that were rough and a uh, few. Well, so uh, prepared a little differently for this one than I ever have before. So I think um, those later rounds will be uh, a lot better than they have in the past.
3: So you don't feel like going into the championship round is going to be much of a big deal for you. Plus, like you have this long wrestling pedigree. So I'm sure you've been, you know, used to the grind and, and getting your conditioning up to that point, right?
8: Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think we figured it out, obviously, you know, there's that, aspect of just go out there and work hard and get in shape. And there's the aspect of doing it the right way and uh, where everything makes sense, you know, and looking at the science behind it. And I think I've blended those together pretty well this time.
3: I know becoming a world champion is a, is a big thing for you in this journey, but being able to fight someone like Gaygard, you know, a, a true legend of the sport, he's been around for so long, former strike force champion, never really got a chance to fight for the UFC title, but I mean, that's a big deal to be able to fight that guy. Like what, what would that mean to you to not only just, become a champion, but to do it by defeating a guy like Gegard? Uh, It
8: just shows where I belong in the sport, you know? Um, So I think it just puts me where I think I should be. And that's, that's all I'm looking for is opportunity to do that.
3: Recently, Brian Barberina returned to action and he, he lost a tough decision, had a great third round, made things really interesting, but to see him sort of firsthand go through what he went through physically to even get back in the cage, like how much motivation is that? did that give not only you, but just like the rest of your team, everybody around him? Cause that, I mean, I don't think a lot of enough attention was put into what this man had to do in order to get back into the cage.
8: Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the craziest thing about that, that I don't think was touched on a whole lot was just that everything was a uh, testing process. You know, there was nobody knew, is he going to make it through this practice? Is he going to make it for the next one? You know, Okay. We stepped it up a little bit. He did well. What about this next one? You now the first time he gets hit in the body, how's he going to deal with that? You know, obviously every single step went well, and uh, you know we got a great coach who took it at. You know, if there's one day that we see something we don't like, it's over. We don't. We don't push again. You know, it's not worth it. And um, just his body held up through everything, so it was great to see because it was a uh, a big question all the way through and to see him go out there and be able to have a fight like that and walk away without anything wrong with him uh was really great.
3: Was that something you you guys had to pay really close attention to like even on fight week you had to monitor everything along the way?
8: Uh you know I wasn't there for fight week um but I I said knowing Jeff uh, the way he is with everything, he's very meticulous about everything. I know that you know he had his eye on every single thing, you know, because even you finished a hard training camp and he did well, and then you go, wow, can he? Is his body able to handle cutting weight again? You know, how's that going to go? And um, obviously, everything went well. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it would have been better if he got the win, but um, to see him have a you know a fight of the night performance like that and his body hold up was really good.
3: Yeah, there's there's not a a lot of Brian Barberinas running around here. That's that's for sure. He's 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 one in a million, no doubt about that. Uh, how does everything translate into Friday night, John? Like your shot at a world championship against a legend. It's going to be on Showtime, which is pretty cool for you too, I'm sure. But how does this all go down in your mind? How do you see this fight playing out?
8: Um, Josh, I'd love to say I'm going to go out there and finish him in the first round. That'd be great. But uh, yeah, this is a guy that doesn't make mistakes. So it's somebody that. It's not capitalizing on him making a mistake. It's forcing him into uh, bad positions and uh, just keeping pressure on him, keeping him on his back foot. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the name of the game. And I I think it's going to have to take five
3: rounds to do it. It seems like Austin Vanderford will be the man waiting in the wings for the winner of this fight. Are you even looking at that right now, or is it just all laser focused on Friday night?
8: Yeah, I, I haven't put any thought into anything after Friday night. right now
3: friday night is the only thing that matters well said looking forward to this fight john appreciate the time very much well earned opportunity long overdue in a lot of people's opinion at a world championship it goes down this friday night bellator 264 live on showtime john i appreciate it very much man especially this close to the fight all the best to you this week and in in the cage on friday thank you so much
8: i appreciate it
2: you're listening to the vox media podcast network